enlighten me Bitch, I be a boss, I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Demons leave them torch, I run my kingdom, call me sire We never taking L's, only lessons No, we never counting fails, only blessings Never stressing I said enlighten me I be a boss, I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Gang, they hyping me, rightfully I am stable, I am able, I am wealthy Full of health, on the rise, I got the belt You got a problem? Check yourself, bitch Welcome to another episode of Enlighten Me, Bitch I'm Ren Woods I got a lot of good feedback on the solo episode So I thought, why not do another one? You know what I'm saying? Got a lot of stuff to rant about. A lot of crazy shit going on in the world. So I want to say really quick before we get too into the episode, there is a form on my website where you can put in your name, your first, last name, your email, and you can tell me a story, write a question, whatever, write me a note, whatever you want. And you can stay anonymous. You can use a fake email if you want. I don't care if you don't want me to know who you are. But if you do tell me a juicy story, maybe I'll talk about it. I go to a lot of weddings. I think it's a combination of being 31 and being from the South where there's a wedding every fucking weekend. I gotta say, the wedding registries are getting out of control. Am I shopping for your Christmas list or is this a wedding registry? You guys need to chill the fuck out. Listen, I love my friends. I love them so much. But I had one friend that had a cat lamp on her registry. I had another friend who had one of those Yeti coolers. Am I shopping for a couple or am I shopping for Saturday with the boys? Why is this shit on here? Another friend had a speaker on her wedding registry. I understand you're getting married. You're excited. You want things. But what is appropriate to put on a wedding registry? I mean, I always thought it was plates, fine china, flatware, forks, knives, spoons, serving bowls, platters, fancy napkins, kitchen stuff. People are getting insane. And I don't know if it's because people are living together before they're getting married. So they already have all this stuff. So they're like, I don't know what to fucking put on my wedding registry. So I'm just going to put all this random shit and see if people buy it for me. It's getting crazy. You're getting greedy. Chill the fuck out. Go back to the simple shit. Ask for a fucking couch for your birthday. You don't need to put a couch on your wedding registry. That's asinine. Truly. Okay, so there's this cookie company in LA and it's called The Last Crumb Bake Shop. You have to sign up on a list basically to be able to order the cookies. They're expensive as shit. They come out to be like $12 a cookie. I love sugar so much. So I was happy to pay the $12 a cookie. I mean, bottom line is I'm pretty much curious about everything. And if people are talking about it, I want to try it. And I had to try these cookies for myself. The problem was, Every time they would do a drop or whatever, because they only release a limited amount of these cookies each month or week. I don't, I don't know how often they do the drops, but I couldn't get online fast enough. So I saw one of my friends post on their Instagram story that they had gotten a box of the cookies. And I was like, oh my God, how did you get those cookies? Like, I want the VIP hookup. Give it to me now. So he's like, I'll pull some strings. He got me a code. And I ordered the cookies. 
these cookies, the Oreo one, might as well have made me come. I swear to God, they are so fun. They taste like cookie dough, but you know that the eggs were cooked. I, they're so good. Anyways, the Oreo flavor was my favorite. I really like the Netflix and Crunch one. And their marketing is genius. You know, their slogan is, I did not have sex with that cookie. The Bill Clinton phrase. You know, it's a very like provocative marketing strategy. And I'm all about a provocative marketing strategy. So I'm here for it. I love these cookies. Would I order them again? Probably not. It's not every week that I want to spend $150 on cookies. That's fucking ridiculous. But I did it. I'm glad I did it so that I could talk about them. I'm allergic to peanut butter, so I couldn't have the peanut butter flavor. People are complaining, though. I looked on their Instagram, and people are like, it's ridiculous. You could have a $12 cookie, but the girl who owns the company is smart. You can't just get these cookies anytime. You can't just buy one of them. You got to buy all 12, and it's expensive as shit. It's very exclusive, and I think that's what's making people freak out about these cookies. Was it the best cookie I ever had? The Oreo one was. The rest of the flavors were fine. None of them were bad. But I really think the gist of the whole thing and why everybody's talking about it is because it's exclusive and because you can only get it one way. There's no other options. So, and it runs out. You get it when they drop it or you don't. Anyways. I also wanted to say, I see a lot of quote-unquote gurus on the internet you know, people giving advice based on their life experiences and, and what have you. And some of the advice is very sound that I see. I think it's very smart, intelligent. But at the end of the day, I just want to remind you that what somebody tells you, you should always take it with a grain of salt because what's best for that person might not be best for you. And you can take in all of this different contradicting information from all these people and then decide for yourself what is actually going to benefit you. Because I could sit here all day and tell you advice on how to do this and how to do that, but it's based on what's worked for me. And I'm a different person than you are. So I just think it's important to remember that. And it's also important to remember that the content that you're consuming on the internet, it really plays a part in your subconscious mind. And once you see so much negativity, it does start to affect the way that you think about things and the way you think about yourself. So I don't know. I see all these memes that perpetuate this reality of they're like bragging about sleeping till 3 p.m., not wanting to work. Like I'm single. I slept till 3 p.m. I don't want to work. I'm hungover. Fuck my boss. Like whatever. You know the memes I'm talking about. Well, yes, that's funny, and if anybody knows how to take a joke, it's me. But at a certain point, that's not a cool lifestyle. That's not really what you want to be. That's not the person you want to be. Do you really want to be the person who's fucking miserable at their job, hating their boss, bragging about how hungover they are on a Monday morning? No. But if that's the content that you are continuously looking at, then that's how you're going to live your life. And I'm not saying unfollow all the meme accounts. I follow them too. But you just have to differentiate between the way you think about yourself, the way you want to live your life, and all the shit that you're seeing in front of you. And know that, okay, I can appreciate that meme. It's super funny. 
But I don't actually believe that. And once you change your mindset to this, like these memes will kind of start being a turnoff to you in a way. And I also follow a lot of health accounts on Instagram. There's people who promote the vegan lifestyle. They say like, like I follow the medical medium. He promotes a vegan lifestyle that's saying fruits are all healthy for you. Vegetables are all healthy for you. You need to eat them raw, no meat. And then there's other people who promote that lifestyle is terrible. It makes you sick. You're not going to get enough protein. And here's the thing. You got to figure out what's best for you. Okay? Because I think you can take certain information from either of those two types of people. And yes, live a healthy lifestyle. For some people, being vegan works for them. For some people, eating red meat three times a week works for them. And I just think you got to like by trial and error, figure out what works for you and, and don't really listen to everything one person is saying to you because it's not healthy. Use your intuition because that's going to tell you it's right for you. Anyway, I just wanted to say that any kind of advice I give you on this podcast, take it with a grain of salt. I'm not an expert. Okay. I'm just trying to entertain you. And yes, I have had a lot of life experiences and I do hope to share my perspective and hopefully you can benefit from that. But again, I'm not always going to be the right answer for you. I don't know what you've been through. It's situational. So just think about that before you start freaking out because you're following the medical medium diet and you're getting fatter when you wanted to get skinnier or whatever it may be. Or you're following dating advice from somebody who says, this is an absolute no on the first date. Never text him first. Never do this. Like, that's ridiculous. But there's so much dating advice out there like that. Maybe to not text somebody first works for some people. That's not going to work for everybody. People are different. So just keep that in mind. I got to say, having friendships, you really, as you get older, start to realize the different stages of life that people you were once close to are in and you start feeling the effects of it. And as you go through it, you learn you don't have as much in common with some of the people that you used to have a lot in common with. And I just want to say that I, I don't think that you should completely write off anybody just based on the fact that you don't have anything in common with. Now, of course, if their values are off, if they are a negative, toxic person, yes, get rid of that person. But if you're in a different stage of your life where you're at home with two children and your best friend from college is single, living in New York City, has not near as much responsibility as you do, you're taking care of two other human lives, it can be hard to relate at times, but I encourage you to not cut those friendships off because I think you can still learn something from the different stages that, that you are in. And it can feel very isolating to not have as much in common with someone who you used to have everything in common with, especially like when you form friendships in college, like the basis of your friendship is going out and getting drunk. You had a great time together. Everybody's fucking fun in college. And then you get older and you realize, oh, like this person 
doesn't like to take nine tequila shots anymore and be the life of the party, now they have all this serious shit going on. They're running a Fortune 500 company. Everybody changes and you go through seasons of life, but you shouldn't write somebody off just because they're in a different stage of life than you. There are good parts to the different stages of life. If you really want to get the most out of your friendships, you got to sit back and appreciate that they're doing something different than you are. And it doesn't mean that one lifestyle is better than the other. It's not. It's just different. And I do think that you can relate to one another through other things aside from your lifestyle, you know, because you became friends in the first place for a reason. So I just encourage you to figure out what that reason was and get back to it. Take a girl's trip if you need to. Leave the fucking kids at home. Give them some Benadryl. I also want to say that you have different friends for different reasons. And I think that the different friends in your life serve different purposes. I think that you should stop taking it personally if a friend can't be there for you when you need them. Because it might be affecting their mental health to be there for you. And it doesn't mean that they don't love you as a friend. And I'll give you an example. When my brother passed away, I had friends who called me every single day to make sure that I was not going to jump off a ledge. And I appreciate that. And that made me feel very loved. But then I have friends who only checked on me once a month. That's okay, too. It doesn't mean that they love you any less. It's just they have other shit going on. And you can't think that the world revolves around you and that, well, yes, it's nice to have people be there for you. You don't need everybody to be there for you every second of the day. And if you are truly fulfilled in your life, then you will focus on the good parts of who is there in the present moment and not worry about like, oh, well, they weren't there for me during this time. That's very silly. People can be there for you in different ways. Like I have a friend who her father passed away in high school and she doesn't do well with death. She doesn't like to talk about it. I don't really even know how her her dad passed away. We've been friends for over 12 years because she never talks about it with me. And that's okay. She is entitled not to have to talk about anything with me. That's not my business. When my brother passed away, she, of course, sent me flowers, called me, texted me immediately when it happened, but didn't really ever want to go in depth with me about the death. Didn't really hear from her as much. And I started thinking about it, that that's traumatic for her. Death is very traumatic for her. And that's perfectly okay. And when I released my podcast, she was the first friend who called me to tell me how proud of me she was. She listened to my podcast within the first 30 seconds of it being released. So friends can be there for you in different ways. And I think you should allow them to be. And don't get so fucking uptight when somebody does something that hurts your feelings, pisses you off. I'll say it again. If you are truly fulfilled within yourself and you're giving yourself all the love you need, which you are fully capable of doing, happiness comes from within. If you're doing all those things, then you will not be affected by all the external things going on around you and all the shit that people are saying and doing to you. You're going to be unbothered by it. And it's hard to get to, the, to a place where you're super unbothered. 
but I believe in you, sweetie. You can do it. Okay, I have to know, what the fuck is up with chicken lately? I can't eat chicken anymore. I just can't fucking eat it. It tastes disgusting. The last probably five or six times I've eaten chicken, I have spit it out. I, it, it's, it, I haven't swallowed it. I want to know what the chicken farmers are feeding the fucking chickens because it tastes like they're abusing the chickens and it's not fucking good. I posted on my Instagram story a few weeks ago asking what the fuck was up with chicken and if anybody else was having this problem. And I was overwhelmed at the amount of people that responded to me and said, the chicken's just fucking gross lately. So apparently there's like a bad part of the chicken called the woody chicken. And it's fucking disgusting. But I'm not going to talk about like the process of how the chicken dies, but because that's just like too much. But yeah, woody chicken, how is a bad piece of meat becoming all the meat? I, I, I just don't understand. It's so gross. I mean, I have you fucking eaten chicken lately? Do you eat chicken? No, it tastes gross. And I know that I'm not alone. I know I'm not fucking alone. There's something up with this chicken, and I want to know what it is, okay? If you want a chicken farm, fly to my DM. I got to know what is happening. And then I have another friend who fucking just made the whole scenario sad as shit. Oh, yeah, like in the Hindu culture, you know, they believe that the animal is sacred. So if the animal is treated poorly before it's killed to be eaten, then she's like, yeah, it's obviously going to taste worse. Oh, my God. Like, I'm never eating meat again. In the Hindu culture, they believe cows are sacred. There's cows walking around everywhere in India, and they don't eat any meat over there. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to become vegan, but I know that I cannot fucking eat chicken anymore. That Campbell's chicken noodle soup, by the way, might as well be dog food. Same fucking quality. Okay. Of course you didn't want to eat meat as a kid. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I only ate like two pieces of bread with cheese in the middle or plain pasta with Parmesan cheese on it. And I would make my mom put it in a thermos. And I guess I was a high maintenance kid, but I didn't fucking like meat as a child. I wouldn't eat it. And yeah, maybe it's because she was trying to feed me fucking Campbell's chicken noodle soup in a can with cubed chicken that's been sitting in a solution for God knows how long. That can't be healthy. So yeah, I took my high-maintenance little five-year-old ass to school with my little pasta in a thermos. But at least I didn't have to taste bad fucking chicken. I also hate when meat is cooked outside and it tastes like smoke. I can't do it. I will not eat a hamburger if it was cooked outside. I will not. It's gross. It tastes smoky. And my whole family makes fun of me for this. They think I'm high maintenance, but it's nasty. And I also douse meat in tons of sauce. I can't eat it plain. Maybe I'm a soon-to-be vegan. It feels so weird because I love steak so much, but I don't know. My boyfriend got me a Vitamix for Christmas. Sexiest gift ever. Listen, I make a smoothie every day. That's what I've been living off of is fruit smoothies because I can't eat meat anymore because it tastes bad. I've, I've eaten a steak a couple times at a restaurant, but I certainly don't trust myself to cook meat ever. But that was before I had bad chicken. I just, I have to know what the fuck is up with the chicken. There's just got to be something more to this. I think there's a special place in hell for people who bring their dogs to the grocery store. Look, 
love animals, do you. Bring your dog anywhere you want, except for the grocery store. There's food everywhere, and your hairy-ass dog is shedding its hair, and it's flying in the air, and it's getting on the produce that I'm going to put in my mouth later. It's disrespectful. Leave the canine at home. There's a time and a place. You know, there's tons of restaurants that support having your dog sit outside with you, and that's fine. You have your food and your meal. You're not bringing your dog around the restaurant to where it can shed its hair all over everybody else's food. That's fine. But in a grocery store, you're bringing your dog down each and every aisle while its hair is just getting all over the everything. I don't understand that. And I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me on that. And that's fine. You don't have to. But that's how I feel. Oh, also... Another thing about dogs, so I went over to this lady's house that I had a meeting with, and she had this big-ass bear-looking dog, and it jumped on me within the first two seconds I walked in the door, and I had on an all-white outfit. She started laughing. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's why I can't wear nice clothes around Mike. First of all, your fucking dog's name is Mike? Mike is the name of a guy who won't text you back. Mike is not what you should name your fucking dog, okay? And secondly, you're going to base what you wear on the mood of your dog? No. Lock that fucker up in the back and don't let him jump on people. Curb your dog. Train it. It's really asinine. And the other thing that I think is really selfish about people who own big ass dogs like that, or really just any dog, is if you don't fix them so that they can't impregnate another dog, but you don't get them a friend, you know, a lady dog friend, then yeah, of course they're going to go fucking crazy on somebody when they walk in the door and start humping their leg. They're horny as shit. Imagine if a, a male human, what happens to him If he's locked up in a house for months at a time, can't get his rocks off because he's locked in a house. Imagine how a man like that is going to act. He's going to go fucking berserk. We all saw it in quarantine. You know what I'm talking about. So it's really selfish to keep your dog inside for months on end without letting it get out in the wilderness with another female dog to do what's nature's way. Bumping and grinding with other dogs, that's natural. It's a part of life. If you're not going to get him fixed, let him mingle with the neighbor's female dog. Let your dog live its best life so it doesn't fucking hump your friends when they come over. Anyways, Jesus, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about today. Now on to my next topic. Something that you should do for yourself is you should go and eat at restaurants alone. It had been a long time since I went and ate at a restaurant alone, and I did it a couple weeks ago. It was fabulous. I had an amazing time, and it made me realize you can learn a lot when you go out to eat alone. Maybe you sit at the bar of a restaurant and form a relationship with somebody new, not like in a sexual way, just somebody's there, and you just have a chat with them. They teach you something you didn't already know. or You can just sit there and observe people, and I think you learn a lot by observing people. One of my favorite things to do is observe people. So 
the other night, I didn't want to cook anything because, like I said earlier, the extent of my cooking is I put shit in a blender, blend it up, and I'm exhausted after that. That's just my life right now. That's fine. So I went to this restaurant down the street from my house in Santa Monica. I sat at the bar. I ordered a burger and sweet potato fries because it was a hell of a day. And I just kind of was minding my business. There were two men and then a couple, a female and a man, I think they were husband and wife, sitting also at the bar of this restaurant. And they were all kind of talking. And so I kind of kept to myself and checked my emails on my phone for a little bit. Eventually, everybody left except for the guy beside me. He struck up a conversation with me. He happened to be a retired bodyguard for certain celebrities. And I thought that's a very interesting job. So I was asking him questions about it. Then, you know, he kind of mentioned that he used to live on Harper Avenue in West Hollywood. My brother's name is Harper, my brother that passed away in August. And, you know, I clocked that he had said Harper, but I didn't tell him anything about my brother or that I had just been through the grief process or anything like that. I'm very big on signs since my brother passed away. I see his name everywhere. I hear it. I get text messages on my phone sometimes and the word Harper appears. It's just super serendipitous. I can't help but think that I sat at this restaurant for a reason that night. So the guy keeps going on and on and on. And eventually he says to me that he's been really, really sad for the past six weeks because his best friend passed away. He's having a really tough time with the grief process. It was a shock. She died out of the blue. And so for the next hour and a half, I coaxed this guy through grieving. And I talked to him about death. And he's like, how do you know so much about this? And eventually I told him, I said, you know, it's very interesting that you mentioned that you used to live on Harper Avenue. You just randomly told me that fact out of nowhere. I didn't ask where you used to live. My brother who just passed away, his name was Harper. And the man started crying immediately. He gave me a hug. A stranger gave me a hug. It was really cool to just have somebody else understand this was a sign for my brother. I think this man needed some comfort and I was here to give it to him. And I'll never see this person again in my entire life, but that's okay. I think a lot of us are often afraid to strike up conversations with strangers because of the way of the world, you know, people are out to get something a lot of times and you can't be sure who to trust. I didn't tell this man any personal details about myself. He doesn't even know my name. The only details I told him were that my brother had passed away and I told him how and obviously, you know, of course, all of those kinds of details. But it, it's just interesting. Having conversations with strangers is, it can be a really interesting thing and you can learn a lot. So I encourage you, go have dinner by yourself. If you're afraid, get the confidence sit at the bar. You don't have to sit at a table. And if you need to, keep your phone ready. So if you feel too awkward, you can start texting somebody or scrolling Instagram or whatever. But be present with yourself and appreciate what you're seeing because you just never know who needs your compassion and your light. It was a beautiful interaction. Super heartwarming for me. 
And the man actually ended up telling me that he made a lot of money years ago and he used all that money to invest in car washes. So he owns, you know, upwards of 30 car washes around the LA area, which is a lot of car washes, but he only employs homeless people. And I thought that was such a cool thing that he gives homeless people opportunities and, you know, he starts them off at minimum wage and eventually they build up when he knows that he has their trust. Then he gives them a raise. He has them do certain things around the car wash, like, you know, sweeping the floor or because I think it's a self, they're self car washes. They're not, they don't have like people there actually washing your car for you. Any kind of place like that, you're still going to need a cleaning crew for it. So he has these homeless people do it. And and I asked him if, if he sees these homeless people go from being homeless to having a home because, you know, they save their money or whatever from these jobs. And he said, yes. And I just, what a nice man. And it was so cool. I was very inspired by the story. I obviously don't have a company where I can employ homeless people, but I think one day I would like to give back in that, that type of way. It's very rare you meet people like this. And so just be open. I mean, obviously be closed if you're going down a dark alley or some shit like that. But, you know, it's harmless to have a conversation with with a stranger and you don't have to tell them too many details about your own life. Obviously, don't tell these fucking people where you live or don't give them enough details to where they could like do anything scary. But it's just a beautiful thing. I don't know. It's silly. But it was very serendipitous, that whole whole conversation. And all because I just went to a random bar and sat by myself. Anyways, men, this is going to be a bit for you. If you're single and in the dating world, if you want to get a woman's attention, you need to not send one word text messages that don't warrant a response. Because if you send something that doesn't warrant a response, chances are she's not going to respond to you. I had a friend reach out to me last week. He matched with this girl on a dating app and she didn't respond to him on the dating app. So he found her on Instagram. He sent her a message. She didn't reply to that either. So he commented on some photos. She didn't reply to that either. So he saw that she and I were following each other on Instagram. She's a person that I know. So he reaches out to me and says, what's the 411 on this girl? What do you know about her? And you know, she's a very nice girl. She's beautiful. And I, I asked him, I said, well, if she's not responding, can I ask what you said to her? He said, hello. Okay. Of course she didn't fucking respond because you didn't send her anything of substance. If you want to take a woman out on a date and you want to be a real man about it, hi, I'm into you. You want to go to dinner on Thursday night? 8 p.m., I'll pick a place, let you know on Thursday. Come in with a set fucking plan. Stop lallygagging around, beating around the bush. It's whack. All you people out here are wondering why you're single. It's because you go in these roundabout ways to try and get somebody's attention. Stop. It's ridiculous. Don't do the where you check in with somebody and you're like, hey, what's up? I don't know what the fuck is up. You tell me what's up. You reached out to me. I mean, it's really simple shit, y'all. Simple shit.
be direct, honest to God. So anyway, I told him, I said, look, saying hello. And what are you commenting on someone's picture that you don't know? He said the fire emojis. I'm like, oh my God, there's nothing more fuck boy than to just reply fire emojis to someone's picture. Of course, she's not responding. Also too, I'll say this. If you want to go out with somebody and they're not responding to your messages, you have to change your mindset to know they're going to respond to you and you have to know that they're going to go out with you. Because if you have in your head, like, oh, like they're hotter than me or, oh, they're more successful than me, then yeah, they're never going to go out with you because you don't believe that you're worthy of them going out with you. You have to know you fucking have it all. Why wouldn't they go out with you? Of course they would. You're fucking fabulous. You're amazing. But you have to believe it yourself. I have a girlfriend who's, who's been struggling in the male department with dating. And she's like, why won't this guy respond to me? He's getting back with his ex. And he doesn't want to be my boyfriend. And it's like, well, you're sitting here asking me what you should do. So you don't got to ask your friends, what should I do? What should I respond to him? Because if you have to ask people what to do, then you're perpetuating the reality that, yeah, they're not going to become your boyfriend or your husband or your girlfriend or your wife or whatever. Because you're sitting here worried about how they're going to fucking respond to you. You need to focus on yourself. Live in your most joyous state. Have fun. Focus on yourself. Don't fucking worry about if somebody isn't responding to you. Get some hobbies and let it go. Otherwise, they're going to continue not to respond to you if you have your energy focused on that. You know what I'm saying? Live your life. Be you. Have a blast. Because people are attracted to confidence and they're attracted to who's having fun. If you create the best life for yourself, and you fucking love that shit, and you are thriving, people are going to see that, and they're going to want to know what you're doing, want to know what you're up to. But it all starts with your mindset. If you're fucking miserable, and you're sad all the time, who would want to date somebody like that? You got to change yourself. It's not the men. It's not the women. You know, it's not the bitches. It's not the fuck boys or whatever you people call it. It's you. Change your mindset because the way you treat yourself is how people are going to treat you. Plain and simple. Anyways, I also want to talk about miscommunications. So I think oftentimes in relationships, our needs aren't getting met and it's because of miscommunications. So if you're in a long-term relationship or a short-term, whatever, this can also be, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can be a relationship with your parent, your friend, your sibling, whatever, whoever. The root cause of animosity is miscommunication and your needs not being met. And why are your needs not being met? Because you're not communicating what your needs are. People can't read your mind. I'm going to use a very, very simple example so that you can understand how miscommunications happen. You say, I'm hungry to your partner. Your partner wants to help you, doesn't want you to be hungry anymore. He finds a solution. He brings you an apple. You've decided that you don't like apples anymore, but you never told your partner that. 
They think that they've solved the problem. What do you want when you're hungry? Food. Well, you are sad and feeling misunderstood because how could they not know that you don't like apples anymore? You don't even realize that you never told them that. Or maybe you did tell them, but they weren't paying attention. But you've always liked apples, so they're confused as to why was the sudden change. There's already a miscommunication. You tell your partner, I don't like apples anymore. I'd rather have a banana. Okay? So then the partner brings you banana. They're doing exactly what you asked. But they bring you this banana, and it's sliced in little circles. And it's in a bowl, and they brought it to you with a fork. Well, you're in a hurry. You're late for work. And you just wanted them to hand you a banana, but they thought it would be nice to give you a banana that was sliced so that you could take your time and, you know, have a nice breakfast. But you didn't want that. You didn't ask for that. So now you're even more frustrated with your partner, but your partner in their mind is thinking, I really took the time slicing this banana for them because that's a nice thing to do. I went above and beyond just like handing them a banana. I prepared it for them but you're pissed off because you're late for work. So then you start arguing over a fucking banana. And do you see what's happening here? You are not getting your needs met. Your partner thinks they're meeting your needs, but you're not being specific enough about what your needs are. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, Gerardo? (laughs) We have a responsibility to openly communicate with our partners. And it's not their fault if your needs aren't getting met most of the time. Your needs aren't getting met because you're not telling them what your needs are. And we have to be careful with our words. It's not your partner's fault if they don't understand you. What are you saying to them that's making them misunderstand you? I think we're just so quick to blame the other person for everything, but we don't look internally within. So I encourage you all to... Look internally within before you start projecting your insecurities and your bullshit onto your partner or your mom, your dad, your siblings, your grandma, your friend, your boss, whoever. I think that we're all seeking to be understood. Sometimes I think that being understood is more valuable than being loved. And really, love kind of is being understood. We all want that. But you have to work hard to tell your partner what your needs are Otherwise, they're just going to continue to not meet your needs. And when you're not getting your needs met, resentment builds. When resentment builds, animosity ensues. Animosity turns to hatred. And then all of a sudden you're fucking divorced and you have no idea why. Two people that used to love each other and have a blast. And now you're getting divorced. And it's sad. It's really sad. And all because your life is just one giant miscommunication. Because you're unable to see the other person's perspective. Okay, I have one more story to tell you guys, which is just fucking crazy. So last week, I went to dinner with my friend Kilty. We had an early dinner, 6.30 p.m., not too far from my house. I got home around 9.30 p.m., and around 10 p.m., I got a notification on my phone saying, your location is being tracked by this AirTag. My boyfriend was out of town on a work trip. I took screenshots. I sent it to him immediately. And I was like, what the fuck is this? He, of course, calls me and he's like, you need to go 
look everywhere and check for this air tag. He's like, this has been happening. This is a popular thing that people are doing now where they get these air tags from Apple and they slip it into your purse at a bar or they put it on your car somewhere and then they track your location because the air tag, it pairs with your phone and it tells you, hey, this air tag is tracking you, but it's the air tag is being tracked on somebody else's phone. But then you're getting a notification. So that's what's saving people's lives is that the notification that they're getting on their phones. But sometimes, you know, they don't get the notification until hours later. So I didn't get this notification till 10 p.m. And it said that the AirTag had been tracking my location since 9 a.m. That is scary as fuck. So I started thinking about it and I was like, okay, I worked from home that day. I didn't leave my house until 9.25 in the morning that day. I went to Pilates and came right back. Was gone for an hour and I stayed there until I left my house at 6.30. So at 9 a.m., my car was in my driveway. So I started thinking about it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm selling one of my couches and somebody came over from OfferUp and looked at my couch and he had super weird, bizarre energy. So I was like, oh my God, did this guy put an air tag on my fucking car on his way out? Because you can press a button in the Find My Friends app, which is where the notification comes up. And when you press the button, it's supposed to sound off the air tag and then the air tag makes noise. Well, I was doing that, but I never fucking found the fucking air tag. I couldn't hear the noise from anywhere. So my boyfriend's like, you need to go out to your car, look on your car. But it was, you know, at this point, it was like 11 p.m. I was like, I'm not fucking going out there by myself. Are you kidding me? This is how they get murdered in the movies. No. He's out of town and it's very late where he is. So he's like, I'm, my phone's on loud ringer. It's right beside me. If you need anything, call me. I'm like, don't worry. I'm sleeping with a fucking hammer and a knife in the bed with me. I literally cuddled a hammer and a knife all night long. What's funny about this is the difference in how my sister responded to how my boyfriend responded. My boyfriend was very calm, cool, and collected. He sent me a fact sheet from Apple with instructions on exactly what to do, how to deactivate the AirTag. He sent me very detailed message to the point, like, this is what you got to do. End of story. Okay, call me if you need anything. My sister sends me 900 news articles about women who almost got raped or who did get attacked by men because of air tags in their purses. She's freaking out. She's calling. She's like, oh my God, oh my God, I watch murder documentaries. You're going to get murdered. What? I sent her a picture of the knife. She's like, it's not sharp enough. Oh my God. She's like, you need to call the police. She's freaking the fuck out. She freaked out so much that it increased my anxiety. I was fine and calm until I fucking called her. And she was convinced that some man was in my bathroom. She's like, have you looked in the bathroom? Have you looked under the bed? Oh my God. She's like, the man is probably in your house. I'm like, the man is not fucking in my house. And how do we know it's a man? It could be a fucking, it could have been my neighbor for all I know. Because I never found the air tag. I, ev I eventually called Apple, got the AirTag to be disconnected from where I was, but it was really scary for sure. If your friend calls you and says that they're getting AirTag alerts on their phone, uh, do not proceed to tell them the details of the murder documentary that you just watched because that's not what I needed. I needed calmness. 
anyways, I'm still alive. And my dad always used to joke when I was a kid that if I, he was never worried about me being kidnapped because he's like, you talk way too fucking much. They're going to give you back. And you know, maybe that's why I've never been kidnapped. I don't fucking know. I'm just glad that fucking air tag is nowhere near me. So anyway, I think that's about all the time I have for today. Went on some rants, talked about some stuff. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Enlighten Me, bitch. I'm Ren Woods. Enlighten me, bitch, I be a boss. I got the sauce, no point in fighting me. Demons leave them torch, I run my kingdom, call me sire. We never taking L's, only lessons. No, we never counting fails, only blessings. Never stressing. I said enlighten me, bitch, I be a boss. I got the sauce, no point in fighting me. Gang, they hyping me, rightfully. I am stable, I am able, I am wealthy, full of health. On the rise, I got the belt. You got a problem? Check yourself, bitch. Yourself.